0: Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, this week I'm bringing you a conversation I had with Sky Rapson about burnout and boundaries. Sky is the founder of Unconventional Organization, a New Zealand-based coaching group that specializes in online coaching, research-backed, strength-based ADHD support to help you get unstuck in your life. You may remember Sky from a previous episode last year, but we had such a fun conversation then that we decided to have another round. In this discussion, we drill into what burnout is, how to work on getting out of burnout, and then how setting boundaries can help us stay out of burnout in the first place. And really, this is a fantastic episode to help capstone this series on slowing down that I've been working on. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at HackingYourADHD.com slash 132. All right, keep on listening to find out how we can start helping get ourselves out of burnout. I think we really should start with uh, defining what burnout is because yes, it can be feel like you know, it's one of those terms we talk about a lot, but then we don't spend enough time being like, okay, this is burnout. And, you know, like maybe because people can also just like, I'm tired. Is that burnout?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So the research definition is that it's, you know, exhaustion related to prolonged and excessive workplace stress. It's related to cynicism, which people don't really know about as much, um, emotional exhaustion, personal, accompl- you know, low feelings of personal accomplishment. But I think, It's also, you know, can be connected to the idea of, you know, it's not just work, it's that work and home life, it's that work and volunteer life, it's parenting, all of those things coming together, um, or just work, depending on what you're doing, that can contribute to burnout, that excessive stress and pressure and and work as well.
0: Yeah, and you just kind of feel like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I can't, there's, there's no more, there's nothing left to give. 100%.
1: Hundred percent. Sometimes you feel like I was done, and now I'm realizing that I was done like a month ago. Sometimes burnout is something that it takes a while for you to notice, especially before you know. At least for myself, before I was diagnosed with ADHD, burnout was almost like a cycle. Um, whereas now, with ADHD, I have a better understanding of of what burnout looks like and what I need with ADHD and burnout.
0: And I do think, yeah, there's probably a level of how. Neurodivergence plays into uh, burnout. I mean, I know there are terms like autistic burnout, which are a bit different, but just with ADHD, we have these. We have we often have to do things harder to get get the same results as neurotypical people, and so we can reach burnout very quickly because we're just being like, "Well, I'm going to just try twice as hard all week." Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's that sort of like executive functioning masking that we do, where we have those, you know ideas that we have to do so much additional work and sometimes we do to try and get everything together especially if we're undiagnosed and so we're just throwing things at the wall and going well this huge complex system that i have worked last time so let me just try and do it again in its entirety or if we have you know experiences of of you know trying to monitor ourselves in a workplace environment as well especially now for those of us who are going back to back to that workplace environment definitely
0: something where you just keep keep throwing anything at the wall to try and like going. (laughs) Yeah. I think the thing that hits me the most with it is that it's not just being tired and, but it's like accompanied with this apathy towards doing more work.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think, I think it can be tricky when we get there to understand how to move forward and what to do next and and sometimes the very first thing that we need to do is we need to just take a break. We need to take a, a day and, and just relax or take some time and, and, and really give ourselves that time. We call it a grounding routine. You know, do something comforting, nourishing, some, talk to somebody, reach out, and then feel like, okay, I feel grounded enough. I feel good enough to now potentially even think about what I might do, what executive functioning systems I might put in place and routines I might put in place to help navigate my way through
0: this burnout yes yeah, so what are so what are some of the ways that we can work on once we're in burnout uh getting out of it and we can also t- later also talk about how to like prevent future burnout
1: yeah yeah I think when we're in burnout you know often it's about understanding how, well it's the first thing is to to reach out to somebody to talk to somebody it could be a therapist it could be it could be a friend um somebody who understands who who can kind of help you gauge where you are in this burnout because sometimes you know i I work with lots of clients and sometimes they're like oh i was burned out like last year especially at the moment you know and now i'm like beyond like this is i I can't do anything i've worked with clients who you know we go through the getting focused routine in the morning with them and then they stop at the end when they're supposed to get started on work and then they just go and do something fun and that is you know that is as much of a routine as they can handle at this point because of the burnout Or people who have just experienced it. And so for them, it might be talking to their boss, talking to themselves, um, if they're working for themselves, you know, and understanding what adjustments could be put in place. And often it is about changing your routine.
0: Um, I can definitely see that because one of the ideas that I saw pushed for a while is that like, oh, to cure your burnout, you just need to like, you know, take a long weekend or something. But then you're just going to (laughs) go... It doesn't actually help because then your work builds up during that time. And then you're you come back yeah. and you're like, now I have even more stuff to do.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's like a filtering system. Often we talk about the idea of like you've got a funnel, and at the top is just everything coming through. And at the bottom is theoretically you doing work, getting things to sorted, you know, funneling through, and maybe some of the things leave, you know, halfway through the process and you don't end up doing them or you delegate them. With burnout, it's about understanding okay, my funnel is different now. It's a burnout funnel, basically. And Mm -hmm. I need to figure out, you know, how much time can I do things? I don't want to contribute to burn. I don't want to increase my burnout. But I do want to understand, you know, what do I still need to do? What can I do? And reaching out for help at that point is really important. That might be a time to talk to um, people that you work with and, and see, you know, what you're doing. And also see, like, especially sometimes you're what is the good enough standard? Where is that? And where are you in line with that? Can we can we bring it down? Sometimes with, and we'll talk a bit about avoiding it in the first place, but sometimes understanding, okay, I'm going in this direction. I've been doing these 12 things. Only six of them are helpful for where I'm going. So the rest of them I can kind of like reduce or, or not do at all.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point too, Because, but also definitely a hard thing to do because... yeah um, we don't want to slow down. We want, we have this, like, we need to do more and do more. You know, we like, we find a routine where we're like, okay, this is good. How can, can I do stuff more into my day?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely met people, you know, clients with ADHD who've kind of hit burnout and then kept going. And obviously that's not very good for your, your stress response and your hormones and things like that, but, you know, just kind of kept working their way through. And, and eventually like, it's kind of like a road run. Eventually they it builds up and builds up, and they have to stop. And so, yeah, hundred percent, it can be it can be tricky to to the idea of reducing is hard with ADHD, and I think that's why it's good to take a minute and take stock of where you want to go, and 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 sort of know you're still going there. You might just be going in that direction with a few more structures in place and a few less like late nights.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've been trying to focus on while i'm growing the podcast is like okay how can i grow it bigger but how can i like grow it wider with like more sustainability kind of ideas
1: yeah yeah and i think that's the other thing as well sometimes with adhd especially if you've been recently diagnosed it's about have you actually taken that time to look at all your structures and all your scaffolding and see what's working for you and what's not working for you and maybe we can create a more flexible, uh, less intense system that, that might work for you. Or maybe you've been doing things. I have a lot of clients who are like in my 20s, it was just go, go, go. And then I would take a break and then I would start again, you know, and I wouldn't get a lot of sleep. But I'm in my 30s now and I can't do that anymore. And so maybe we need a new system.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the idea of the using systems to help create the same sustainability. Is really important too, because you can also then look back and go, okay, if I was using the system and I was going into burnout, how can I mm-hmm. modify that?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's also important, I think, to to give yourself a lot of compassion. With ADHD, we have that self criticism. You know, the research indicates we receive a lot more criticism, even if it's from people who want the best from for us. You know, as we grow up, oh, you're doing that differently. Oh, you're not doing that. You know, the way that we do that. And that can all build up into self-criticism, and that can be affecting that burnout as well. Where you're like, "No, I'm fine," and I was like this when I was younger. You know, everybody works weekends. I'm sure everyone else is doing it too, and they're just not saying anything, just like I am. And so, you know, there's that sense of like burnout because you're trying to trying to hide and you're trying to do that masking.
0: Yeah, trying to meet the perhaps said or unsaid expectations that you know are built up in your head. I know a lot of us have this the uh, Oh, you're not reaching your potential. And mm-hmm. you're like, but I'm already working really hard. So I'm, yeah. I'm work really, really hard. And then then everybody will love me.
1: Yeah. Or well, we have this you know, this neurotypical in our heads that you know, sometimes I, I ask people to chat to their workplace and see what actually how often do people really answer those emails? How often do people get those reports in late? You know, because sometimes we have this imaginary person in our head who's so amazing and they get everything done and we have to like be like them, but they might not be real. You know, everybody has these ups and downs.
0: Yeah, I just uh, had a conversation with one of my friends a few months back, and he runs his own business from home. And I'm like, how off, How much do you actually work from home? You know? Yeah. And he's like, am like, like how many how many real hours are you putting in the day? He's like, mm, you know, three or four, like <laughs> other things I need to do. And I'm like, but you run a successful business. How's how can you only do? I'm like, yeah. Probably, you know where I'm at, but I feel like I should be drop kids off at school. I should be working straight until I pick them up, and that's not realistic. Yeah,
1: definitely. And a lot of business owner clients I have feel in pretty much exactly the same way. So it can be so great to connect with other people in your field and 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 just check in. You know, you're not saying, "Hey, I think I'm I'm failing." Like, please help. It's it's more just. Just asking, like you just did, you know, like, well, how, how many hours do you work? How many emails do you respond to a day? You know, and actually getting getting a sense of where the line really is.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely very hard for us to do, to like be like, without getting that outside help. Because in our head, we just build these pictures in our head of like, this is where the line is. And if I go- don't do that, then I'm not going to be successful or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: wherever we have that in our head
1: yeah also with ADHD our energy can be quite cyclical you know and so we can have those really high productive weeks and those really low productive weeks that happens very naturally and very normally but when we're at that high point we're like I could if I just stayed up here I could do so many things and and then when we go you know down you know the energy levels go down again it's sort of like a frustration of like I'm never going to get anything done and so really it's that middle space where you're you're Gonna, not always going to be high productivity, hyper focused, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, one of the ideas I've been playing with those energy cycles too is I will get those like very productive days, and I'm like, I need to pull out every drop of productivity I can get in these days, uh, and so then I'm questioning. But perhaps the trough that comes after it comes <laughs> from doing so much on the high product. Yeah do that, you know, like what's good enough for those days. I can be like, I got through that work really quickly and I did a great job. Now Mm -hmm. I can actually reward myself. And then tomorrow I won't be just dead in the water all day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because, you know, sometimes it's, it's about that dopamine as well. Like understanding with ADHD, we don't necessarily get as much dopamine and there is a link in research between you know burn out the dopamogenic system and so it is about going even if i'm in that high productivity space am i taking care of myself am i giving myself breaks between you know meetings or between hours of, of work and am i am i still doing fun things am i going back to my menu of fun activities and, and using it so that i so that i have those little spikes in the middle of that high productivity
0: yeah i remember one of the journaling systems i used to a few years back had you know what's one fun thing you have planned for today and i'm like why do i struggle with this (laughs) planning fun things every day that seems that seems like a good idea but this is
1: yeah it's yeah i mean i work with people from all walks of life and we all struggle with fun and we often say it unconventional we take fun really seriously because it's a big part of making sure you know it's connected to motivation you know with adhd we're not getting as much dopamine. We don't know why, is it you know in tips of the brain exactly, but we do know that the neuroimaging shows that that is the case. And so, okay, well, does that mean we're getting paid five dollars for some? someone else is getting paid ten dollars for the same job. We're not going to be as motivated. We need to add something fun to doing the job or completing the job or starting the job to to kind of increase that motivation.
0: Yeah, and from what I understand too, it's we need that closer to the 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 reward and dopamine thing closer to the actual job than a neurotypical person would as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm working with my research team now to try and write an article about it because there are some theories, you know, that that are really showing that we don't have that connection. And, and I've talked to so many clients about it, and they're all experiencing that feeling of like this weekend is great. Don't know why that horrible week happened. I'm definitely not connecting the two. Yeah,
0: recently I had uh, with my son had to do write his name like 50 times for all these Valentines they're sending out at school, <laughs> did not want to do this at all. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, every five names you can get like a Hershey kiss. And he was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like the first like 15 names were like pulling teeth. Then we switched the system and he was like just done in like 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. it It, it is amazing. And, and sometimes even, you know, especially with burnout, Um, we talk about the getting focused routine and we say, okay, well, what's going to motivate you to just sit down at your computer or sit down wherever you need to be to get started? What can we do? You know, do we say, okay, well, first it's a, it's a cup of tea and an article that you're reading and maybe a chocolate biscuit and and you're enjoying that moment. And that's kind of the reward just for sitting down. Sometimes you need that when you're, when you're in that space of just being really demotivated.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that um just before this conversation about how I have some fun ways to like reward myself for doing work. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think about rewarding myself for not doing work. Interesting. Yeah. It might be interesting to be like, okay, I took a break, you know, do something fun for that. You mm-hmm. know, making more than just the break be the reward.
1: Yeah, that's quite an interesting idea. I think especially if you're struggling with with that hyper focus and you are um, and you're sort of like, no, I need to work six hours straight because that, you know, and, and you need maybe that reward to actually take a break um, and, and kind of know that you're you're closing up shop. You're taking that long break. You're doing something super fun as a reward. And then you're, you're opening it back up again and getting back to work.
0: Yeah, because it's just it's easy to be like, well, it's a break. I'm going to do whatever. And
1: yeah, um, yeah.
0: I also think it's really important for us to think about how we're taking that time off too. Cause yeah. it's my, my worst self is just like, okay, you're going to, you know, like you're going to take tomorrow off and you're going to play video games all day. <laughs> and then Friday, yeah. you're going to be feeling awful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting as well. Cause it's like, where are you at? Because for some people, video games might be incredibly great, but for other people it's like, you got to go outside, you got to go for a walk, you got to do something else. And and so it is nice. And that's why I, I love the Jessica McCab, Eric Tivers' menu, because it's um, it's it's like the, you've got that sense of like, cool, I've done some, you know, dessert dopamines. I've done a bit of social media. You know, that is, that is something that everybody does, you know, most of the time. But it's time to get those mains in. I need to get like those a couple of times a week at least. So let's read a book. Let's go to a coffee shop, you know, something bigger and something more
0: nourishing. Yeah, I think the dopamine is such a good idea. Um, should break mine out again. I have, I wrote one of you a year ago and it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's in a file somewhere.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We work with clients. We actually create a menu for them during sessions and then we kind of encourage them to keep it out. But it's always a good reminder when you're doing that as well. You're like, I need to get mine.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think that's one of the best things about working with coaches or therapists is that with ADHD, we know these things, but we're not doing them. Like it's not a disorder of You know, not knowing enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. like I know exactly what I need to do, but I'm not doing it. And so, when you're working with someone else, you're like, they're like, "Oh, yeah, you should really use your tools." And they're like,
1: "Yeah." (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it's also giving permission. You know, like I work with a lot of academics or or people in you know uh, managerial roles, and it's about being like, no, it's you are allowed to take a, a minute between breaks, five minutes, go for a walk, listen to something, you know, relax it's okay to do that. And it's important to do that. And sometimes it's sort of, we need someone else with ADHD to come alongside us and say, Hey, this is real because we're working in a, in maybe a neurotypical environment where you're just constantly seeing people who don't necessarily need that. And you're thinking, why do I have to
0: do this? Yeah. Well, and one of the other ideas that's, I've really been trying to internalize for myself is not judging myself by my productivity. Yes. Like, for a long time, it was like, okay, I should take breaks so that I can be more productive. And that mm-hmm, is a good mm-hmm. step to like getting myself to take breaks. But just because something's going to make me more productive doesn't mean it, that's what I should be doing. That is don't so need true. I be more productive all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And it, it does make me wonder, you know, what do we then judge ourselves on? I think a lot of people have that question is going, okay, what am I judging myself on? Am I judging myself on nothing? am I just not judging myself? Like that's a completely unique concept or am I saying, why well, am I a good partner or a good parent or a good friend? Is that what this is about?
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's, yeah, it's a lot harder to be like, am I being a good parent? Because there's not the same kind of like productivity metrics. You know, it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> my kids still having meltdowns because they <laughs> have their own issues, but yeah. You know, if am I helping them through them are there's so many levels to it of how you're going to actually evaluate yourself and, eh, you know, maybe you don't need to evaluate yourself quite so harshly. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think I think being less harsh and just saying, you know, I'm here, I'm I'm presenting my, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm here in the arena. I'm doing things that's kind of potentially, you know, what is, what is most important. I mean, especially with kids, you can, you can be a great parent and your kid can have a bad day. And those two things do not necessarily connect.
0: Yeah. My, uh, my daughter had a big meltdown this morning on the way to school because it was just, it was the getting Valentine's ready to go. Oh Yeah school canceled yesterday. And so it was like a little bit of a mess today. And it was just, you know, a little bit too much for her. And so then getting got her calmed down and like, she was like ready to go once we got to school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. My, my uh, son's just into the toddler phase. So it's, it's all, it's all happening.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, uh the parental burnout too, is really tough too. Cause
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Like you can't, stop being a parent all of a sudden
1: yeah i mean i think that's that's a really tough one i mean you can't really talk to your supervisor and be like hey i mean you can talk to your partner if you if you have one or you can talk to the people in your life who help you you care for your for your child and and that is that is good it is still important to reach out but it definitely doesn't have the processes in place um as as it might otherwise have but it is it is a similar one it's like what are your goals you know, when it comes to raising a child and what are you doing and what do you, what, you know, is there a bit of role ambiguity? Do you maybe need to kind of say, okay, that was cool. And I wanted to do that before I had a child. I was like, I'm going to be a parent who does X. But now as as a parent, and I've definitely experienced this, I realized that this is my priority and this is what I'm doing. And so I'm, I'm this is going to go in the not now pile essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think every parent experiences the, uh, this is how I'm gonna be a parent. And like, okay, no, <laughs> yeah. this is this is not how how I yeah. envisioned things.
1: Yeah. And and it's, you know, there are structures for for parenting and and, and working with burnout. I mean, we work it, it can feel like it's impossible, but we've definitely worked through, you know, building systems and building structures for doing things like getting ready in the morning, helping reduce the amount of, you know. And, and, and try to find a structure that feels that that flows for the whole family. I mean, it, the same systems sometimes apply. Um, they're just maybe adjusted or 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 you know, child-sized. And and we often work with that as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah, it's because it it feels like it's very different, but it's just like, you know, just a different flavor of how n- exactly things.
1: Yeah. And I think when you realize that, there's a bit of a, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Um and so uh what I'm hearing from a lot of this as we're kind of getting towards the how to prevent burnout yeah is just the idea of I mean even with identifying burn is letting ourselves slow down so we can cuz I think mm-hmm. part of the problem is we're often going so fast that we, we we can't see the problems because yeah we're just doing too much to look
1: yeah yeah sometimes you need to put a big red stop sign in front of your own life and just go this is it Today, I'm I'm slowing down. I'm doing something that is different to help me just take a minute, and ground myself. Because, like you said, we're often just you know flying high, going 100 miles an hour, and we need to just ground ourselves back into ourselves and our bodies and what's going on. Um, you know, in an ADHD-friendly way, with you know, fun TV shows and Chinese food, things that we enjoy, um, and talking to people, um, and then go into you know. What am I doing? Where am I going? Um, and, and and do I have a lot of role ambiguity? Do I have a lot of like conflicting demands that are kind of eating at my time and causing me to often, you know, be in that reactive mode where I'm not even thinking; I'm just answering. And yes, that's great. No, you can't wear that. And I'm just doing this all day.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's you, you. You don't stop, and then you don't see the issues, and then. <sighs> when you're forced to slow down, it's not as much fun.
1: Yeah. And I think when it comes to burnout, you know, you want to, why to prevent burnout? It's because, you know, you don't want to get into that position, but if you are, it's okay. You know, but it's tough when you're in that position, when you're forced to stop, you want to, you want to be able to like, slow the descent yourself. You want to be able to get a sense of, okay, I'm being cynical. I don't want to get up in the morning. I, I'm struggling to get work done and feeling low accomplishment. If I get anything done, this might be burnout and I need to take it, take stock and really understand, you know, am I put, am I doing too much? And, and am I doing something that, that is in the space that I need it to be?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the places I often like, like to compare burnout is to like doing like physical activity and working out and stuff and how like the mm-hmm. people that are very serious about it can hit over training. And that's yeah. know, a very similar idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, The idea too with that is like you don't just take a day off and recover from overtraining, and I feel like that's true with burnout too. Like, yeah, people often go, "It's like okay, if I take a break, I will be cured." But that's not exactly it is either, is it?
1: No, and I think that's that's the the thing where it comes in because people often say, you know, and I completely understand this. They say, you know, I'm working multiple jobs, or I'm working contract-based jobs, or I run my own business. I can take an afternoon off, but that's not going to help, you know, long term with this giant amount of burnout and I can't, or I don't want to just quit my job, you know, or, or just tell my boss I'm going part time. That's not really a thing I can do. And so often it's about understanding, okay, what, what can you do? And so I've worked with a lot of clients about going, okay, this is what I'm going to focus my energy on this other part of my job. I'm going to do a good enough job and that is okay and that is good. Um, And sometimes it's just about understanding where you're putting your energy um, and then going, okay, when I have the opportunity, I might speak about, you know, this was a role I was given because somebody else left. And so can we actually get a timeline for moving this off my plate? Until then I'm gonna do an okay job at this, but I'm not gonna try and give it like that 150% because my 150% needs to be here. And actually, maybe it should be about an 80% or 70% right now. So sometimes it's about really not necessarily cutting everything, although as much as you can, that's really important. But it's about understanding where you're putting your energy.
0: Yeah. And setting those boundaries of what you're willing to do.
1: Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, with boundaries, it, it can be tricky because, you know, I've definitely been in positions, you know, when I was younger, where you didn't feel particularly comfortable setting a boundary with your boss. or you your, your, you know, maybe you, especially in academia, often you you need the positive review from that current kind of job to get the next contract. So sometimes it's about understanding, okay, well, what can I, what can I do? What do I feel comfortable with? And it's okay not to, not to just necessarily go like, that's it. I'm doing this. I can't do this. Maybe it's about talking to your colleagues and figuring out, what we can delegate together. What What do you feel comfortable doing?
0: Yeah, and it's going to be uncomfortable for people at first to do it, especially if they're not used to setting boundaries.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so sometimes it's about what can, I, what can I do as a first step? You know, who can I talk to? Maybe it's my partner, maybe it's my colleagues, maybe then it's my supervisor and saying, you know, not necessarily having to say you have ADHD, although if you feel comfortable doing that, that's amazing, but it might be saying, hey, I, I have to you know do most of this in the morning. I'm going to take an hour out of my morning where I'm just not available for emails to, because that way I'm going to get more done in this area that's both about priorities, things like that.
0: Yeah, and one of the interesting things I've learned about boundaries is that I always was like, okay, you set a boundary, and then it's about the other person respecting them, but it's really more about you respecting your own boundaries. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm not going like being like, I'm not going to do email during this hour. And then you like kind of still have your inbox there and you like, oh, something <laughs> came in like, okay, yeah, I need to do this myself rather than mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: rely on other people to respect yeah. the boundary.
1: And I think with ADHD as well, it can be tough because, you know, boundaries need to be consistent and communicated and, And, you know, they need to be remembered by us and, you know, with working memory struggles and other things, sometimes we genuinely forget that we even put that boundary in. And so it's sometimes, you know, I work with a lot of clients where it's good to put in those more passive guardrails. So you might say, okay, I'm going to have a boundary where I don't check my emails and I'm going to use an app like Freedom or something like that to just turn off my emails at this time of the day for me. So the boundary is there. And I put it in place. I created it. I'm happy with it, but I'm not necessarily having to maintain it.
0: Yeah. It's certainly something where just making the assumption that, well, I said this and now this is reality is not going to be enough.
1: Sometimes definitely. And it's okay. You know, we all, we all have that consistency can be tricky with ADHD. And when somebody is like, okay, you have a boundary, but you you bent it over here, and I saw you doing that. Especially with partners, if we have a boundary around, I'm not going to be disturbed. I'm doing work, and then they see us, you know, doing something else. That, you know, that can, that can sort of, or even if we don't know, we can feel like maybe we're being watched. It's it's definitely good to to kind of give yourself some grace and understand that you know flexibility is part of what we do.
0: Yeah, and we just need we need those reminders sometimes too.
1: Yes, hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Um. So. One of the issues I can see people having too here is even Mm -hmm. identifying how they would, what boundaries they would want to set. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm wondering if there's like some strategies people can use for identifying what would be good boundaries for them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and I've said this a couple of times today, so it's kind of all coming back to this. It's about your priorities. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, and, and. I definitely get the question there, like, what if you have ten priorities or twenty priorities, (laughs) and and that makes sense. We have a lot of priorities, but sometimes it's about, okay, what is a now priority for the next six months, and then what is a priority that we're putting in the not not right now pile? You know, we'll come back to it, but we we're not doing it right now. If we understand what our priorities are, then it's about, okay, what do we need? What are the steps to get there? And it doesn't have to be a work priority. Our priority could be our our health or our family like you said it's about you know doesn't have to value ourselves on productivity alone um but whatever your priority is that's where you're going to have the boundaries you're going to say okay this is the time and the energy that i am conserving so everything else is going to need to to take a step back and that's kind of where you'll see that that um that sort of sense of where the boundaries need to be is when things are taking away from what your priorities are that makes a lot of
0: sense and yeah and it's Yeah, we do have those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I have 10 priorities. Like, okay, but priorities, plural, is not really how the word was supposed to be used.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And we've, we've, you know, worked a lot with people about understanding it because sometimes it is helpful to talk it through with somebody else and, and say, okay, this is the priority for the next six months, because if I do this, then I can do that and et cetera, et cetera. And this one is good, but it could be done at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, definitely working with someone on those things can be super helpful because we don't always want to push ourselves to make those choices. Sometimes we're like, yeah, what's your number one priority? <laughs> it's like, well, these two things. Okay. But of those two, which one?
1: And sometimes, you know, I've had really long conversations with clients because sometimes it's Sometimes you can do two at a time but sometimes those things are just not happening together. You know, sometimes it's like you can't pursue this, you know, career goal and this career goal. You have to pick one um, right now and and that can be tricky to to know when things can can work alongside each other and when they can't.
0: When we're sitting there it's like, well, this is definitely an issue with ADHD that everything mm-hmm. feels important.
1: Yes. And everything feels like it could all be done tomorrow, but also it will take a hundred years. You know, that time blindness can definitely affect us as well.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, when we're relying on urgency as this motivating factor, it's like, okay, I have to do this and then I have to do this. And it's like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can I get out of that cycle?
1: Yeah. And that can contribute to the burnout as well as that. That everything is urgent. Everything is happening right now. Everything takes extra time that i didn't have again those boundaries right do you have if you have a routine for your your day and your week to reduce burnout it might involve clocking off at a certain time but if everything you're doing is always urgent and always due tomorrow it can be a lot harder to clock off so those prioritizing those thinking about how to do things in advance using your calendar all of those structures are going to come into play to help you keep these routines to help you reduce that burnout
0: yeah and it's definitely something where you're going to have some pain points when you first start doing it
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's it's you know a couple of steps forward a couple of steps back it's chipping away it's all those metaphors you know they really come into play here
0: yeah because i i know i've um i've been doing a number of episodes about urgency recently and honestly when i first started doing adhd stuff and was like trying to get away from the urgency cycle I would miss something that was urgent, but I was like, oh, well, I can put that off. and I can, you know, work mm-hmm. on this other thing. And then it'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, no, i and be like right back into the cycle.
1: Yeah, no, 100 percent. It, it can be tricky. And I think as well, you know, it's like having that self-compassion for yourself because it chances are, you know, once a month, once every couple of months, maybe once a week while you're getting started, those things will come up. But, you know, with ADHD, especially with the, the structures we build at Unconventional, it's all about that flexibility. It's about having something that can kind of like bend and move with you. So that if something does come up, you have you have a way to handle it and kind of absorb it into your funnel without, without having to break down and start the whole thing again.
0: Yeah, I think the systems and self-compassion are just so key because <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. like, look, you're gonna miss things. That's just how it is. Even if you were neurotypical, you would miss things.
1: Yes. Yeah. I love that. Systems and self-compassion. I need to put that on my somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or just systems of self-compassion would be good, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that needs to be a sticker somewhere.
0: It's a, it's a, something I always come back to is when I'm like writing, I'm like, always Realizing in retrospect, I'm like, well, I'm writing about self compassion. I'm Like, man, I should really do that for myself. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's a lot easier for me to extend that compassion for other people. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I understand your situation, but my situation, yeah. well, that's completely different. But it's hundred it, it percent
1: Yeah, it isn't. I think we are. We can be very hard on ourselves. We can be like everyone else deserves it, but we are. You know, but that's because we're the ones who who in our own lives received that self criticism and and sort of might have internalized it as you know I am bad not just I you know did something that people thought was different and was wrong
0: we sometimes have to give ourselves self compassion about how we weren't giving ourselves self compassion
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that time before you get diagnosed with ADHD is an interesting time we've all gone through you know different things of, of you know burnout and 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 not being compassionate and and i think it's it is important, and a lot of people have that when they get diagnosed. It can be quite an emotional experience to really look back on your life, especially if you're late diagnosed, which a lot of people are becoming more increasingly.
0: Yeah, it's definitely with stresses of pandemic and everything, people are going mm-hmm. oh, there. I am ha- struggling, and there are apparently reasons. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I was diagnosed at the beginning of my doctorate, walked in for dyslexia, came out with ADHD. I was completely surprised and then had to look at my entire academic career before that and go, oh, that's why I changed my, my major so many times.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't do that. Oh, OK, I did that like three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, it is. I'm always amused by the universal experiences many people with ADHD have, where it's like, oh, yeah, you did this? Yeah, of course.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially with burnout, you know, it's that idea of quitting. I think a lot of times with ADHD, if you look at the burnout cycle at the end of it, it's quitting because especially before you're diagnosed, you're like, this career just isn't for me. I think I need to go find a completely different career and then... Going through the whole cycle again there as well, and and that can be a lot of self, you know, shame and and realizing that maybe that was ADHD the whole time.
0: Yeah, and it's like one of the important things I feel come with things like this podcast. Knowing other people have these experiences, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is not just me being an awful person. No, you're like you're not an awful person. You're just experiencing human emotions. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're just a person who was neurodiverse and did not realize uh, maybe for a while, but that's okay.
0: All right. Well, we've been covering a lot of ground here. Is there uh, anything you want to leave people with?
1: Um, I think what I always kind of leave people with, which is, you know, you're probably working a lot harder than you realize. And, and you know, self-criticism can lead us to thinking that we're not doing well. You know, and if you're experiencing burnout, there could be a sense of like, I can't be experiencing burnout. I'm not getting half the stuff done as somebody else. But but you are working so hard. Those executive functioning difficulties, those additional things that masking—like, chances are you're actually doing a really amazing job. And really, you need to take a bit of a step back and assess your priorities.
0: I think one of the best ways to do that is, you know, working with a coach or with a therapist. Um, and if people want to find out more about uh, you and uh, unconventional organization, uh, do you have any places they can go to do that?
1: Yeah, you can go to our website, um, www.unconventionalorganization.com. That's organization with an S or a Z. We have about eight coaches now across the US, Australia, and Europe. Um, They're all trained in the processes that I've developed, the research-based. We have constant check-ins to make sure that they're continuing to do that. We also have online courses, and we have free articles that have heaps of strategies, including strategies on burnout, that you can read.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to encourage everyone to go check that out. I think they'll get a lot out of this. Um, And uh, thanks for coming back on the show. It's really good to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, no worries. It's really great to chat about this.
0: thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. And thanks again to Sky for coming on the show was another fun conversation. If you're interested in getting coaching with Sky and Unconventional Organization, be sure to go check out their website at unconventionalorganization.com. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for hacking your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, Hey, I love this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it, too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at HackingYourADHD.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the $2, $5, $10, $25, or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's HackingYourADHD.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired podcast network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tibber's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. What's made of leather and sounds like a sneeze? A shoe.